0: well welcome back you tipsy theologians you tipsy boys and girls (laughs) i'd like to give a huge shout out big thank you to our sponsor of today's episode magic mind but more on that a little bit later you know what guys this episode it's gonna be a good episode or maybe not who's to say you know is there a way to judge if something's actually good or not that's a tough question And you know I'm going to need a drink for it. (laughs) Yo, yo, yo. (laughs) I love that music. You know what? I tried the new theme. Wasn't doing it for me. This, something about that intro, it encapsulates tipsy theology. I think one day I'll probably write um, my own intro for it. I've played around with some ideas, but nothing that I really liked. Um, So I just... The other one just wasn't doing it for me. This one, it just hits that spot for some reason. (laughs) But hey, today we're going to be drinking. Just like every other episode. (laughs) Not like this is a novel thing. Like, oh, we're going to be drinking today? What the... (laughs) Today, we're going to be drinking something that you've probably never heard of before. That sounded like the most hipster thing to say. (laughs) You've probably never heard of it before. (laughs) So it's a Chinese spirit. And I'll be honest, it's deadly. (laughs) This stuff fuels rocket ships. This is what Elon Musk is using to go to Mars. (laughs) It'll get him there in a minute. Um, So it's a wildly popular drink in China. Um, which is where I first encountered it. I was offered it um, by someone there. And after being resuscitated, <laughs> I was like, what the heck was that? What did I drink? And if you've ever tried it, you might not believe me. But I've come to enjoy it. You don't know the name of it, but you do if you've heard that already. It's powerful, but it's also kind of delicious. It's by Joe. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you say it. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Um, I'm sure anyone who speaks Chinese will be like, "That's not how you say it." Um, So I've got a bottle here. Um, It's it's a it's a range. Like there's many different kinds. It's not just like this is the flavor. This is what it is. The the alcohol by volume changes drastically and the taste does as well like how they you know what they do with it and uh, i want to jump in some history about it too cuz it's really kind of interesting to me cuz it's like its own thing that yeah i don't know we, we don't know much about um so i will say it's funny it's it's hard to find here in the us but in china you can find it anywhere and it's so cheap there's expensive ones but some of them are really cheap I think the bottle my sister bought for me when she was last there, because um, of course I ran out the ones I brought home, <laughs> they were like $3 or something like that, and anyone who's had them would be like, you just got the worst, and I'm like, yeah, but it was good. Um, and you know, that's what it's all about, is the price really, is that determining how good something is, or is it how we experience it? That's that's some deep questions right there, some deep questions. <laughs> Anyway, I got this bottle when I was in New York City last year. Um, I went to Chinatown. I think it was in Chinatown. And uh, I just went I walked into the store and I was like, hey. So I I used to study Chinese, um, never got good at it, and my pronunciation is terrible. <laughs> and I only remember like three words. But I remember the important words. <laughs> and so I walked in there and the guy. And I think it was like his dad. I don't know. Um, I'm just assuming based on how they were speaking to each other. Um, that guy knew his way around some Baijiu. <laughs> I walked up and I was looking. They're like, can we help you something? I was like, looking for Baijiu. And the guy just started speaking Chinese. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> So I picked up a bottle that I thought was Baijiu. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I was like, uh, like, good? I don't remember how to say it in Chinese right now. But all I remember is the guy, oh, it's like, I was like, baijiu, like, how? I think that means good. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's right. You can correct me later if you speak, you speak, uh, Mandarin. Well, the guy looks at the bottle and looks at me, he's like, "Bohao." <laughs> like, that's, so he's like, that's bad, that's not good. <laughs> And I was like, okay, like which one? And then he handed me the one that I have today. Um, and I've tried it before, it wasn't my first time, but it's pretty good. It says, Blooming peonies embodies prosperity. Pretty good from the Sichuan Lang. <laughs> Sichuan, I think it's probably from Sichuan province or something. Um, But yeah, I really like it. It was good. We're going to try some more of it here, too. You can hear me live. Drink it. How exciting. (laughs) So a little bit of history about it before we go into all of that. Um, So we're going to go all the way back to the first millennia. The Chinese kingdoms have been united into a vast empire throughout which I apologize in advance for all of my pronunciations while these, the (laughs) Huangjiu. Sweet grain wine. It reigns supreme under the Han Tang Song and Song. I think those are dynasties. The dynasties, yes. Um, I think so. Um the sweet grain wine, the Huangju <laughs> I probably just insulted someone's mom. Very sorry. Uh, lifts the guides of painters. I did that by accident once, by the way. A friend of mine was trying to teach me some words, like how to introduce myself, and uh, I did, but instead of saying, hi, my name's Paul, (laughs) I said, hi, you fat (laughs) B-word. Yeah, luckily, they knew I was stupid, so they just laughed it off, but uh, (laughs) you don't recover from that one very well, (laughs) and it was their mom. I said that to their mom. (laughs) I feel like it's a, like it, you, that's like a a movie. It looks like a TV show. Like that doesn't happen in real life, but it happened to me. It happened to me. So, <laughs> all right. So this uh, the sweet green wine um, lifts the guides of painters and coaxes words from poets. This is beautiful. Drinking becomes a secular battlefield where Confucianists advocate moderation and Taoists preach enlightenment through drunkenness. I would be a a (laughs) Taoist. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's tipsy theology, not drunken theology. (laughs) So about the 13th century, the Mongol hordes of Genghis Khan and his disciples smash into China, spread across Central Asia and descend on the Middle East, where chemists have unlocked the secrets of alcohol distillation. Those wonderful scientists, the chemists, chemists. Soon, the conquerors spread distilled spirits throughout the Mongol Khanate. So the Ming Dynasty, 1368 through 1644, the earliest spirits in China were likely some variation of Middle Eastern Iraq. I don't know what that is. We should figure that out. But China's brewers waste a little time. They were quick. Thousands of years, that's not quick. <laughs> oh, I, did, I should finish the sentence. Thousands of years of folk knowledge are tweaked and refined to incorporate the wine still. The essence of Huangju is extracted and by the Ming dynasty it becomes a potent drink known as Xiaoju, or burnt wine. Today we call it Baiju. As Baiju spreads... I can hear everyone cringing every time I say any Chinese word. I can feel it. <laughs> As it spreads, it adapts and changes by each local tradition and personal taste. The aristocratic elite still prefers feng, quaffing, drinking Huangjiu, <laughs> the old sweet green wine, while the peasantry prefers the raw power and value of Baijiu. <laughs> I love just raw power, because it is. It's gasoline. Um, Actually, there is one bottle by uh, one of the makers of it, and it looks like a gas can. It's amazing. So 1949, the People's Republic of China is born. With the elevation of the proletariat comes the elevation of their favorite drink. The state modernizes Chinese spirits, setting up regional distilleries, Throughout the country, techniques that had only been passed down from master to apprentice are recorded and codified. Styles are sorted and classified. Production standards and quality rise. The national Baiju brand grain prominence. Brands grain. I don't know what that is. But anyway, that's what we're drinking. <laughs> so, bottoms up. Uh it's good it's kind of like oh i didn't mean that (laughs) i do mean it's good i just haven't had it in a while (laughs) it's kind of like if you ever had sake it reminds me of that but like to the extreme it's like if everything like the floral parts of it were more floral and the shoelace part of it was more shoelace (laughs) That's what it reminds me of when I taste it, and I love it. I think when you first try it, it's just going to be all gasoline, and you're probably going to be coughing. That's what I did. Um, but then after a while, I think you start to develop a little bit of a taste for it, or you can, and you start to taste some of the flowers and like the nice florally essence to it. It's quite, It's quite nice. It's pretty nice. <laughs> anyway, here we go. I'm going to pour myself another little shot here. It's good. I save it for special occasions because I had to go all the way to New York City to get it and then I had to drive it back down because I don't think you can, I don't think you're allowed to ship alcohol. If you guys know differently, let me know. <laughs> and I don't know anywhere in Florida that sells baijiu. So uh, it's a special occasion. This is a special occasion. Why? Because today we're talking about the goodness of God. We're talking about what is good. And that's hard. That's a hard. That's it's it's tricky. Defining good is tricky. Even when I looked it up, you know, when you look it up on the dictionary. I love when people start things like that. It's such a cliche. Dictionary defines love as that's how you know you're you're set for uh, <laughs> a mediocre <laughs> a mediocre speech at a wedding. Sorry, everyone who's ever done that. <laughs> anyway the dictionary defines goodness (laughs) as an adjective it is to be desired or approved of as in a good quality of life or having the right qualifications this is a good school as a noun it can be a benefit or advantage or something that is morally right or righteous (sighs) so you do see the problem with that this is the problem i have with it what is good or advantageous depends on who is judging it. It's a little subjective. So there, I, I think that there is some subjectivity in judging something as good in a certain context, but not everything is subjective. Like the school example, it's like, yeah, there are qualifications that I care about that you might not care about. Or let's say even the alcohol, it's like, I think I like this by Joe. So I'm going to say it's good, but someone else might taste it and be like this is terrible. Um and they're missing out. They're missing out, I'll say that. But anyway, it's like you, there's there's that subject, subjectivity that that exists and I think it's there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good. I think that's right. But not everything can be subjective. Um especially when it comes to judging good. There's I think there's an unbiased side to that. There's a standard that ex, that exists, maybe. Maybe I love I say it like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I haven't been researching this for the past, you know, month. <laughs> so, I, so this comes down to things where, yeah, you're free to have preference. You know, this, is, this music is good or this music is bad. Both aren't really wrong. So if we look at the subjectivity side of it, you know, where do we draw the line between subjective and objective? Objective. Music and food is one thing, but what about morality? That's something else that we that we saw in the definition here. You know, it can't be down to just preferences. Uh, is it just the majority that decides what is good? Well, if you're Jean-Jacques Rousseau, then yes. <laughs> His theory uh, in The Social Contract is basically... If you never read it, it's a high school thing, so I doubt you read it. I didn't read it in high school. (laughs) Took a test on it, passed the test, didn't read the book. Uh, That's a lie. Actually, I did read it. Um, But I should – I kind of want to read it again. Um, But anyway, um, his theory (laughs) is, you know, if we set – basically is if we set aside personal preferences and follow everyone's general will – then we can live in harmony by establishing moral rules of behavior. So his, his thing is basically uh, whatever, you know, what, what the majority of people think, whatever most people think. But I have a problem with that idea still, and I think a lot of people do. Um, and it, it's that sometimes the general will still isn't right. You know, we would disagree with it still. Um, so to jump to the extreme example... God, you know I love my extremes. <laughs> Hitler didn't happen alone. Uh, you know he was voted in by millions of everyday people. Um, so what happened in Nazi Germany was the general will. Um, but we say that it isn't good. So is that because our general will outweighs theirs? You know that's a, that's a, that's an, I think that's an interesting question. Is it just like whoever is the bigger majority? But then I I was curious about that and I was like okay well let's let's look at that um as far as you know who decides what is right and what is not and so when you look at um the continent of Europe there are 746.4 million people living in that continent I think these numbers are from like 2022 I think so last year I think they're a year old I, just, I have to say that so you guys know I'm not <laughs> pulling random numbers out. <laughs> um, and then in the U.S. there's about 333 million um, and about 40 million in Canada. So when you add all those up, Europe, the USA, and Canada, that equals – the reason I picked those three spots in particular is because that – not everything falls in there, but to prove a point, it's kind of like that's the the West, quote-unquote. Um, there's places I'm sure I miss that share Western values. And I know there's, there's countries in Europe that don't necessarily share Western values as we would consider them. But for the large part, I'm just kind of putting everyone together here. It proves a point. Um, I'll get to it. Um, so when you add all those up, that equals about 1.1 billion people. That's a lot of people. (laughs) Now, when we look at the country of India alone, there are 1.4 billion people there so how is their culture and general will not greater than ours shouldn't their ideals be right shouldn't it just doesn't add up to me you know shouldn't shouldn't we be sharing their values since there're more people there it's an interesting question so basically the general will thing in my mind kind of just falls flat there Where it's like, yeah, the numbers don't add up. (laughs) There's something else going on here. And I think that's why we need a standard that doesn't change. You know, the idea of majority deciding what is good is the same as creating a ruler using different bases and calling them both an inch. If I'm like, oh, this is my inch and this is your inch, that would cause problems because our measurements probably wouldn't be the same and we would call them the same thing. So <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's four inches. But when I measure it with my ruler, it's 17 inches. You know, it, there, there's a lot of issues that can happen there. Um, and unchanging standard gives us the ability to determine what is right, regardless of what we think is right. And that's what's important. If I say that X is an inch, for example, but our standard says Y, then I know that I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm why did I say it like that? I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> it's bizarre. I don't know why I do the things I do. You you have to live with this. <laughs> but that shows me that I need I need correction. And that, yeah. That's you get the point there. You get the point. <laughs> so hopefully you can see where I'm going with this. Hopefully you can follow the path. The breadcrumbs I'm leaving here. So, as we've discussed in previous episodes, God is unchanging, and He should be our standard. We change, and we are changing, but He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, I think that's what's that's what's so valuable and important, and why we need something that that we can look to. Because if our idea keeps changing, then what is good you know is it's 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 like trying to pin jello it just goes all over the place so <laughs> i want to get a little i want to get real nerdy with you guys for a moment and we're going to go back to one of my favorites we're going to look at genesis oh genesis and uh, <laughs> yeah i think that's i think that's big I, I i will say this might not be a new thought for a lot of you guys but for me viewing What I'm about to say in this way, it made me really excited. (laughs) I've never really thought about it in this way in particular, and I was getting all giddy thinking about it when I I learned this. Um, So, yeah, so let's jump into Genesis. Genesis 1.31. God calls what he created, everything that he created, the earth, the animals, you know, time, space, matter, all those things, he calls them very good. So now the Hebrew word, Hebrew word, <laughs> for good is tov, tov. I've heard tov, tobe. I don't know, but I'm going with that. With what I said, and it'll probably be both. <laughs> uh, and this is used in the sentence as an adjective. It's an adjective which means desirable, in order, or usable, or functional, if you will. Um, so when God calls his creation very good, he's saying that it is very orderly or very functional. Um, so what's important to mention here is that God did not create the earth. He didn't say it's perfect. He didn't create the earth perfect. Um, the word for perfect in Hebrew is tamim. I'm very confident about that pronunciation. <laughs> this is translated to complete, intact, unscathed, and it's often translated in the context of without blemish um we look at like sacrifices and stuff they say a lamb without blemish attributing a sense of innocence to it it has it is you know in no position to be killed yet it it is it has no yeah it has no blemish <laughs> so it's important for this um is to see that god what god created was order he said the the earth is orderly, so we have Tov, order, and the contrast to that is Ra, which is often translated as evil, but used in you know in contrast, the Bible loves its 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 contrasts. <laughs> uh, to Tov, it's better translated as disorder or dysfunction. So when we look at the Garden of Eden, we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I think we can probably better label this in in light of this as the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of order in disorder you know it's that full range you know the bible loves god as the beginning and the end he's the alpha and the omega he's the same yesterday today and forever you know it's this giving us this range in this this full spectrum now for you super nerds out there <laughs> i i have read this in a few places and um, and I think a lot of scholars are on this side, that the title, The Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil, is actually a later addition to the text. Um, the basis for this is that it's only used twice, um, and that's within the garden narrative. I think that's the only two places that I remember looking into that it was only in yeah in that story in the garden. Um, nowhere else in the Bible. In every other place in the Bible, the tree... Um, is mentioned, it is translated as the tree in the middle of the garden or the tree which I commanded you not to eat from or not to blah, 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 or even simply just the tree. (laughs) Like the tree, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And the title, I think, is still important because even though it may have been added later, um, it is derived from from the narrative and it kind of can make it easier to read, I think. Um, by attributing this, it, it was yeah, yeah. But that's that's speculation. There's really no, I don't think there's really hard evidence on that that I've seen to say one way or the other. Um, but it does help us, I think, with when we read the text to kind of see what's going on. Um, but I think there's an interesting parallel that we can see from this when we look at it in these terms, and it's going back to Genesis one thirty one. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, let's jump over to Genesis 3, 6. Not too far, just so a little jog. So when the woman, Eve, saw that the tree was good, she saw that the tree was good for food, dot, 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 it goes on. Um, and I think what, what's really interesting when I look at this is these parallels... Are you know a constant theme in the Bible, and I think they're vital for us to pay attention to. It loves drawing you know this and this and these reversals. We see that with Jesus in terms of Israel, you know he he was able to succeed where Israel failed, and these really cool just parallels and constants. Um, but I think what's important to bring out here, and I want to make sure I emphasize it, is God saw. The woman, Eve, I'll just say Eve. Eve saw, the woman. <laughs> I'll get in trouble for a whole other reason. <laughs> so God saw, Eve saw. God saw and it was, he called it good. Eve saw and said it was good. Like that's, I don't know, for me it's like, whoa. That brings out a whole nother um, level to this for me. And it's like what what happened there is beyond them just simply rebelling. God said, don't do this, and we're like, eh, screw you. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> but it's that idea. It's like what what happened is it's the temptation to determine for ourselves what is good and evil, what is order, what is disorder, apart from God. We d- we decided to do it for ourselves. And I think what's interesting about this is that when I read it this way, it, it's we can't necessarily say... um, that they didn't know what was right what was wrong they knew what was right and wrong according to god but when they when they ate the fruit they decided for themselves what was right and wrong and i think that in part this is really interesting because it can be viewed as kind of the start of culture Culture is customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements—that's a dictionary definition—of a particular group of people. <laughs> so when we determine for ourselves what is order and disorder, we can create a culture. That's what we're doing. We're creating a culture. And this can show itself on a small scale, like a family, to a large scale— or like an entire nation, <laughs> and um, we see those different customs, those different arts, those different ideas spurn out of that um, to kind of create its own little ecosystem, I guess. <laughs> so when God chose Israel as His people, what He was doing was resetting the standard of what is order and what is disorder. And as a Christian, He becomes that becomes our standard as well. Um. Yeah, I just I don't know. I find that fascinating, absolutely fascinating to look at it that way. And it might not be novel to anybody. They'd be like, "Yeah," <laughs> but for me, I think that adds such an extra layer to the garden narrative. And it's something that I wouldn't have really known, I don't think, or thought about it in that way if it wasn't the time that I spent looking into it. And with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a quick tangent for you guys here. <laughs> with that, um, you know, I I love doing this podcast. I, some, I When I was on that break, I forgot how much I loved this. And because it was a, it's a good way for me to really focus on Scripture and really dive deeper into it. And I want to raise a standard for you guys. I want to make sure that I'm bringing interesting topics and talking to interesting people for you guys. Because I want this to, this is for all of us to grow. We're truth seekers here. And I want to continue to seek that. Tipsy Theology started on the idea of Let's have people that, you know, disagree have a conversation. Let's talk about things that are maybe uncomfortable to talk about or people don't like talking about it. And I want to continue that um, by let's look into some topics maybe that wouldn't get touched or get kind of glossed over or we're losing the meaning to it. Like, let's let's look into it a little bit more and. Um, You know, I'm not going to say that 100% of what I say on here is right. I want it. I hope it is. (laughs) I don't want to be spreading wrong information, but it's that process of let's seek, let's look. And it takes a lot of energy because it's things that, you know, require a lot of brain power to be able to really look into it. And I'm a naturally energetic person. I typically wake up and I'm just ready to rock and roll. <laughs> you know, I'm not a don't talk to me before I have my coffee kind of person. I don't know why I went with that accent. <laughs> but between, you know, like all this preparation and stuff, it can be in, you know, work and friends and all this time. It's like it can be kind of tiring. Um, but I absolutely love it. This I, I consider studying theology for me one of my favorite hobbies that I get to do. I definitely want to make sure that I have the energy to get the most out of it. And so I've been getting into the coffee hole a little bit lately. I was never really a coffee drinker. I was more of a tea drinker. Haha, <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, but I actually do love the taste of coffee now. Um, but the caffeine really affects me. It allows me to get that extra energy and focus really hard for like two hours. And then impending doom and gloom, and the world's gonna end, and I get really jittery and anxious. That's why I, I was excited. Mag- this company, Magic Mind, reached out to me. Um, and after trying, they've got this little like two ounce shot that you drink with the caffeine for me, it's coffee. Um, and honestly, dude, what a game changer. I don't, I don't have that like ticking time bomb. Like, Oh, I'm going to take a sip and then work hard before I go crazy. (laughs) Um, you know, the energy that I, that I do get from the coffee is going to last. I don't really have those dips. I just have like a nice constant state of energy and it allows me to be able to focus a little bit more, which is great because then when I'm when I'm working on the podcast and putting my study time in for that, I know that I'm going to have consistent focus and study on that. I'm not gonna, my brain's not just going to randomly go insane <laughs> from the caffeine crash. Uh, and the thing I love about it too is the ingredients in it are all natural, which I think is huge. Um, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a nice healthy addition to your coffee. So you tipsy theologians, you're probably up studying and I think you can really benefit from having that energy to get the most out of your learning. Uh, it would really help me out too. And I would love it if you could give it a try and to make it easier for you, you can get it at magicmind.com slash theology with the discount code tipsy 20 um, you can also get up to 56% off your first subscription or 20% off your one time purchase. That's Tipsy20, T I P, I know how to spell, T I P S Y 20 to save some cash money. Uh, it also works if you're ahead of the game and you're already a subscriber, you can save some money on your next uh, subscription payment. Also, uh, I do want to tell you guys, I am a sucker. For good branding and packaging. Oh man. And that's the thing I love about Magic Mind too. When they sent me this package, it was like opening up a gift. And it was amazing. You open up this just like regular cardboard box, and inside, you know, you unfold the two flaps. It's not like a normal box. And it's like unwrapping a gift. Inside they've got their their branding and the really cool colors in there. Oh, it's it's tranquil. It's beautiful. <laughs> And you got, yeah, everything you need is on there. I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's a full experience from buying to trying. <laughs> I I really do love it. So if you want to give it a try, highly encourage you to at least give it a try and see how it affects you. Um, it's magicmind.com slash tipsytheology with the discount code tipsy20. Now, I would recommend, if I was you, to look into the 30-pack It's the best value. It comes out to like $3 a bottle, I think, somewhere in there, which is a really good price. So you can check out all these links in the description. So you should know this by now. (laughs) I'll use any opportunity that I can to talk about Job. (laughs) And this is no exception. Uh, for, (laughs) For us to say that we know what goodness looks like, or in Job's case, um, what it looks like for God to run the world, that is us saying that we have a wide enough perspective on life to know how God should run the earth. So just like in Job's case, for us to say what is good and what is not is is, is basically us saying that we understand enough about the universe to be the arbiter or the standard. And that's That's just not the case. (laughs) You know, we're limited beings at the end of the day. We are limited to time, space, and matter. We really only have the capacity to understand things that exist within those three standards, time, space, and matter. Um, In order for us to understand something that is outside of those limitations, some kind of abstract idea like love or go on from there. (laughs) You know, or even hate. It's like we need to form them into something limited, into something that exists um, within time, space, and matter. That's the only way for us to explain something that's abstract is for us to, to put it within those categories. Like if someone's angry, and I'm, I'm, this happens to me all the time too, or, you know, you ask questions because you want to put it into something that we can understand. Someone's like, I'm really mad at that person. Okay, why? <laughs> because the idea of itself we can't we can't really comprehend it inside of that. It's it's interesting because I think we can feel some of those things. Like when, when we love someone, we can feel those 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 feelings, but we can't understand it until we put it in within you know those three categories, um, and add some substance to it, if you will, make it more tangible. And so similarly, we can't understand God outside of what he has revealed to us inside time, space, and matter. Because we are limited to this, it's safe, I think it's safe to ask, um, who are we to say whether he, God, is or is not good? What we can uh, narrowly look at as wrong might zoom out to be good, or vice versa. And uh, don't think I chose this, the drink, the Baijiu today, don't think I you didn't think I was gonna not say it again, did you? <laughs> You're out of your mind. I'm gonna say it again. Bye, Joe. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I, I chose this drink today um, was because I'm gonna share a Chinese proverb. <laughs> and what better way to do that than while enjoying their one of their favorite drinks? Oh, that one hit different. Woof. All right, so the proverb goes like this. A farmer and his son had a beloved stallion who helped the family earn a living. One day, the horse ran away and their neighbors exclaimed, Your horse ran away! What terrible luck! The farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. And a few days later, the horse returned home, leading a few wild mares back into the farm as well. The neighbors shouted, Your horse has returned, and brought several horses home with him? What great luck. And the farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break in one of the mares, and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The villagers cried, Your son broke his leg. What terrible luck. And the farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. So a few weeks later, soldiers from the national army marched through town, recruiting all able-bodied boys for the army. They did not take the farmer's son still recovering from his injury, and the villagers shouted, "Your boy is spared, what tremendous luck!" to the farm to which the farmer replied, "Maybe, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see." And so the moral here I think is Great perspective on what we're talking about is we don't have a full enough perspective to judge whether or not something is truly good or truly bad. We just don't have the whole story. And same way in Job, we have Behemoth and Leviathan, two fantastic examples of this. Um, you know, these creations are depicted as symbols of danger and, and disorder. They're huge. They cause problems. They wreak havoc. And but however. They're not evil. God says that they're part of his good creation. (laughs) In Job 40, 15, God says, Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you. And we know that he created man very good, very orderly. And so behemoth is part of that order in the way God created it. The world that God created was good, orderly, and beautiful. But it's not perfect. It's also wild and it's dangerous. Now, that doesn't mean that what God created was flawed. By no means is what that means. But that it was not designed to prevent those dangers. So, I mean, <laughs> we can ask the question you know, why do we have pain receptors if we were never supposed to have a reason to feel pain? Some people might argue that that was post fall. You know, that was like something that came about later. I don't really subscribe to that personally. Um, The reason for that is because it's not like pain isn't a bad thing for us to feel pain is a good thing because it helps us to prevent future pain. (laughs) But I think that's, what's interesting in the fact that, you know, what God created, God created order. He created good, a good earth. He created good things inside the earth. He created it orderly. But, Within that, he did not prevent the ability to suffer. And that's a tough one. That, that seems very counterintuitive. And it's very confusing and it's complicated, which God makes it very clear that it is. <laughs> Within Job, we, we read that, yeah, it's confusing and complicated because we, we don't have the capacity to take in the full story. Will we one day? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> you know, we we are limited inside of what we can know and what we can do. And I think we have to ask the question then. It's like, so who do we trust? And when I look at my own life, I can't even decide what's good for myself. <laughs> I have trouble making decisions that benefit me sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to convince myself that I'm the standard for right and wrong for order and disorder. (laughs) So then since then I'm out of the running of what the standard is, should I look over to somebody else? Everyone else, you're in the same boat as me. (laughs) There's some aspect of our life, you know, we, we, we can't decide what's good for ourselves. We make bad decisions. And I think that if we, if we all could be the standard, if one of us could be the standard, our lives would look very, very different than they do. And um I don't think we have to be too we don't have to look too intrinsically to say that's that's that that's true. <laughs> so if that's the case, we have to look outside of ourselves to find someone who exceeds where we fail. And that's where we look at I think in scripture, we look at we look at Jesus and the gospels and we see that he he victorious we fall short, where Israel fell short. He succeeds in those. And God is not limited in the ways that we are. He created everything and exists beyond them. We change. He does not. We are inconsistent. He is not. He succeeds where we often fall short. And so that brings it down to the question of what is good then? And that's a great question. (laughs) And it's a hard one to answer because we don't have the full story. We don't have what we need to truly to say, this is good and this is bad. This is order. This is disorder. We can't make those judgments outside of what God has told us is orderly is good and is disorderly is bad to make those those judgments we have to look at what scripture tells us we have to be in prayer to speak with the holy spirit and say what is what <laughs> and he's he, we we've, we've been given a guideline a guide to follow to make general decisions on what is orderly and what is disorderly and we can follow that we can make the we can extrapolate and make we can make judgments and apply it in different aspects of our life but there are things sometimes that fall beyond that and just in job's case we are not equipped <laughs> we are not smart enough we are not beyond our own limitations we don't have the story to say this is good this is bad we haven't read the full story we don't know it we can't know it So we have to look at the person who does. (laughs) You know, we have to look at the narrator, in a (laughs) way. And I'm not saying he's just cosmic, you know, puppeteer. But what I'm saying is that he is the standard. He is good. He is order. And so if we follow the will that he has, the order that he has created for us, we're going to be doing gonna be on a good path (laughs) and uh when for me when i look at it from this perspective um of what is orderly what is disorderly the the just infinite confusion about it but then the simplicity that points us to trust trust the lord trust the guidance of the holy spirit i'm not good at it I my mind is a lot louder and I think my ideas are a lot better. <laughs> and every time they're not. They're not as good as I think they should be. <laughs> if I would have just followed what the spirit is 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 prompting me to. And uh, yeah, when I look at it from that perspective, I, I, I want to end with this. And it's uh Psalm thirty-four eight. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And all I can say is amen to that. <laughs> the Lord is good. He is order. And blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man who trusts him. And so, at the end of the day, the question can really only be answered in Trust the Lord. What's the will that God has for you? That is good. Because God is good. (laughs) And we need to rely on him. We need to trust him in order to see, in order to know what is good. So thank you guys so much for listening. This has been one of my favorites to research into and to talk about. And I look forward to continuing this journey with you guys as we continue to seek truth. And I'll talk to you guys, hopefully sooner rather than later.